Sure. So uh, the Northwest Shelf has been operating since the 1980s um, and was kind of due to finish up in 2030. Um, the EPA have just approved an extension of 50 years on that. So they've um, allowed that facility to operate until 2070, um, well past the time which we need to have transitioned away from uh, fossil gas. And so this is really a key plank in Woodside's broader Borough Hub expansion plan. So, you know, we've heard a lot about Scarborough lately, but um, Scarborough's only really the start. There's plenty more in the pipeline, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, so this is more emissions in Scarborough that we're looking at here, billions and billions of tonnes of emissions, um, allowing Woodside to process gas from all over the place, um, including some of the gas that will be um, or is proposed to be fracked in the Kimberley, um, various offshore fields. So, um, yeah, to extend a fossil fuel project to 2070 is totally kind of beyond mm. um, what anyone would think is reasonable in the midst of a climate crisis. It is pretty crazy, and I guess this is all a part of the so-called uh, gas-led uh, recovery um, and you know you obviously Scarborough gas is is perhaps the one that a lot of people think of but as you're saying there it's really just a, a massive uh, expansion of the industry uh, in, in the borough but also the, in the entire northwest and you mentioned fracking there as well I guess looking at you know Scarborough gas and in the the potential impacts of that as perhaps, you know, one of the projects a lot of people are familiar with. Can you give our listeners a bit of an update to where that's at and, and you know, how is it connected to this uh, expansion? You know, as you said there, it's Woodside really, um, you know, the beginning perhaps of, of their plans. But, you know, how far along is, is Scarborough Gas and, and how much of a worry is it, uh, if, particularly for those of us who are concerned about the, the, you know, the climate crisis? Yeah, look, I mean, Scarborough is sadly pretty far um, ahead. They have begun some work offshore, um, some preliminary work, and they're gearing up to begin the onshore work for the Pluto processing facility, which again is part of this broader Burrup hub. So Pluto, Pluto 2, Scarborough, the Northwest Shelf Extension, all of it kind of comes under this umbrella. Um, there are still avenues left for stopping Scarborough. Um, the Nopsema offshore regulation um, is one place where it can be stopped. But, I mean, I think we also have to be aware that we're operating in this context of, of state capture. Um, and as you say, there's this whole idea of the gas recovery, which even with a change of government hasn't definitely not gone away. Um, and so, yeah, the Scarborough is is looking more and more likely and I think that the construction is going to begin or is proposed to begin in earnest later in the year. Um, I'm sure there'll definitely be some pushback to that um, and I think that um, there'll be some direct action that'll take place to kind of try and physically stop that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's worth noting that the, the appeal that you just mentioned to the EPA, um, there was a record number of appellants there. There are 759 appeals submitted that the previous record was about a hundred and something for the Bunbury Outer Ring Road. Um, and so I think that does speak to kind of the depth of concern in the community. And um, I get the feeling that many of those 
many of those people, you know, if the if the EPA is allowed to con, um, continue with this decision and the, and it goes ahead, um, you know, there'll be some more radical um, tactics used, I dare say, by some of those 750 people. Now, outside of the the climate crisis, there's also the cultural and heritage significance of the the Burrup Peninsula. Uh, you know, in particular, the rock art there, and I believe you know it's really comparative to uh, you know some sites around the world, including Stonehenge and so forth. With even the first ever depiction of a, a circle in human history up there as a part of that rock art, um, and of course, it's a very significant and sacred site for traditional owners. Now, outside of the the gas expansion, there's also in recent weeks been uh, the I guess some of the controversy around Perdomin's uh, urea plant. Uh, you know, to I guess her credit, Environment Minister Tanya Pilbelstek has uh, halted uh, construction or at least blocked construction temporarily on on an expansion of uh, Perdomin's urea plant there. Can you tell us a bit about this plant and what, uh, I guess, potential impacts it might have on the rock art and on the area and how it also feeds into this uh, broader sort of industrial expansion of the area? Sure, yeah. So um, just, you know, many of your listeners, I'd say, probably uh, might have been to Murujuga, um or, or the Burrup. Um, and if they haven't, I really recommend it. Like, it is an extraordinary site. There's over a million petroglyphs there. And it really is, you know, this really, you get a sense of this really special, um, significant place that should be significant for all of us all over the world. And then it's just, it's just, it's a real spin out because right there next to this beautiful country and next to these incredible pieces of art, there is all of this existing um, industry. So there's the woodside operations, there's the port, and there's also um, a fertilizer plant. So Perdomin wants to put in a, another fertiliser plant on the Barrap, a urea plant. Um, one important thing to note is that that can only happen because of Woodside Scarborough. So Perdomin will use gas from Scarborough. They've signed a contract with Woodside and they will use that to produce urea. So I think we can also kind of consider Perdomin part of that broader Barrap hub expansion kind of enabled by Woodside. Um, so Perdomin will be built on a site that has a number of significant petroglyphs and a number of significant um, heritage sites and those are being forced to be relocated or moved um, which for a sacred site, um, you know, it's not like a piece of art in an art gallery that you can just pick up and move around, it's connected to um, the, the to the country um, and so, you know, this is an outrageous thing to be happening in the current climate um, post Duke and Gorge. Um, and in fact, the same laws, the Section 18 approvals under the um, old Aboriginal Heritage Act that enabled Duke and Gorge are the same laws that have enabled um, these plans to remove the rock. So, as you say, um, Tanya Pubisek has paused this. So, um, some traditional custodians from the group. Save Our Songlines have been um, campaigning very hard around this and bringing together many people in the community. And I believe um, on your show last week or the week before, you spoke to um, Raylene Cooper, one of those traditional custodians. But, um, yeah, so if that's a temporary um, halt while these heritage applications are more fully considered. Um, but, you know, I think that 
if the Albanese government are serious about wanting to offer greater protection to Aboriginal heritage, as they've said that they are, well, this is a pretty serious, a pretty serious test on that. And um, Tanya Fliegerbusek herself said Jukun Gorge was one of the most shameful moments in Australian history. And I guess now it's up to her um, to stop a further incident and further destruction of that kind of precious heritage. And I think, you know, the borough as a place, Murujuga as a place, kind of sums up a lot of the contradictions and conflicts of Western Australia um, and this kind of extractive industry and also this kind of colonial colonial mindset that um, that is using all of this to... Um, yeah, create this wealth, which is largely going, uh, you know, it's not the Woodside are not paying large amounts of tax, uh, mostly foreign-owned, are not actually employing large amounts of people, um, and they're exploiting this country and these people um, in Western Australia. Jared, if you mentioned there the Albanese uh, federal government, and if we could return, I guess, to discussions around climate, supposedly this last uh, federal election was uh, a climate election, uh, you know, and, and supposedly Australians voted for climate action, what at least, uh, you know, given the the amount of independence and the vote to the Greens, there seems to be at least, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, amount of uh, political will in, in, the, in the community for action on climate change. However, you know, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese updating Australia's uh, nationally determined contribution uh, under the, uh, the Paris Agreement to simply a 43% reduction on 2005 levels by 2030 and net zero by 2050. Many people, uh, was particularly the Greens and other sort of conservationists, environmentalists, have said that this isn't good enough. And of course, this all comes as uh, Albanese's uh, given full support for Scarborough Gas Hub and, and other you know, gas-led projects in, in the country. I mean, politically, it seems like there is the will in the public, but of course, this hasn't been reflected in the, the ALP or, of course, even major parties. What, what do you think it says about, I guess, the state of play in Australian politics that we can supposedly have this climate election and yet uh, have, have this federal Labor government be elected and then back something like Scarborough Gas, what will be you know, one of the largest polluters in the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it just shows how deeply... Um, state capture runs here in Australia and the influence of uh, the fossil fuel industry, the fossil fuel lobby over kind of both those major political parties um, through donations, through the kind of revolving door of personnel and um, through the the capture of numerous institutions uh, which rely on um, the resources industry. I think that, you know, the, the climate election didn't come because of any leadership from the Labor Party. And in fact, it came despite the two parties barely wanting to talk about climate change and not being willing to do what is necessary. And, you know, I think that really the Labor Party are using climate climate and environmental issues as a bit of a political point scoring um, thing. So, you know, last week they released the State of the Environment report and told us how bad that is, and then in the same breath, Tanya Plibersek and Anthony Albanese are defending fossil fuel expansion. And so, you know, they're not, they're, they're not taking this seriously. Uh, no one can read that report and no one can look at the science and think that fossil fuel expansion is a good thing. So um, I think we need to be kind of really vigilant. Um, we need to hold them to account and we need to 
um, counter this narrative of saying, oh, well, you know, it's a step in the right direction and um, it's it's better than the last lot. Um, it's This is an issue where we really are in an urgent situation and if you're not walking the walk, then we need to call that out, in my view. Certainly. Uh, just finally there, Jared, if, if there isn't, I guess, the political leadership, as you've, you know, well, well said there, and, you know, perhaps... Throughout uh, history, there really has very rarely been a, a time in which, uh, you know, I guess there's been social progress, for want of a better word, from above. And usually these things yeah, come from uh, the grassroots and from, you know, community organising. I guess where, where does it leave yeah. us as, you know, as, you know, individuals and communities uh, facing this, uh, you know, catastrophic uh, climate crisis we're seeing you know, the heat waves and the fires uh, throughout Europe at the moment and the flooding on the East Coast. We're very much living in this in this reality. You know, no longer is it very much a, an existential threat. I think it's quite, e- you know, quite easy to say now that it's, it's very much a, a lived reality for many people in the world, the climate crisis. Where does it leave us and, and what can people do when faced with, uh, I guess, such, a, you know, overwhelming grief and despair and, and disempowerment from our political system? Yeah, look, I mean, I think you've said it pretty perfectly in that it's got to come from below. It's got to come from the grassroots. It's got to come from ordinary people. I think in this context, that can look like many different things. Um, It can look like people kind of beginning to build the alternative world that we need um, in their own communities and in their own lives. But there is also this need, I guess, to kind of um, stand up and to resist. So... I mean, just on a practical level, I guess, here in WA, um, I think we can't just leave this fight up to the NGOs. Um, They have their own limitations and their own kind of systemic problems. Um, We need to have ordinary people coming together um, and talking to each other, working with each other. Um, In terms of the Scarborough fight, there's a few different things. There's the Save Our Songlines campaign, the kind of traditional owner-led campaign. which people can support and get behind and have a look at their social media. Um, the Discover Gas Action Alliance are challenging the social licence of um, Woodside through um, doing actions at the Fremantle Dockers Games. That's been going on for a few weeks, so people can have a look at that and get involved with that. Um, and there is a kind of broader direct action coalition forming Disrupt Barrup Hub. Um, so head to Disrupt Barrup Hub dot com to find out more about that because yeah there's a need to say yes to the to the alternatives and things we want and there's a need to really firmly say no to um, the destructive tendencies that are going on and um, you know I'm pretty keen to um, use you know if anyone's going to be removing rock art sites on the borough or if anyone or if they're going to be building these um, developments I'm pretty keen to do whatever I can to get in the way of that um but yeah we no one's going to come and save us you know (laughs) we've got to we've got to do this ourselves and that desire to have someone to save us i think is kind of part of the problem too 